Welcome, everybody, to the High on the Hogs podcast, our preview episode from Mississippi State. And joining me this week once again is my co-host, Tyler Davis. Tyler, how are you today, bud? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, Razorbacks didn't get a victory in week one, as we know, but it was great to have football back. Pretty sure I sat on my couch from college game day until the final kickoff through the end of the game. So it was awesome to watch some SEC football. I'm going to get the Razorbacks back in our lives. Man, no doubt about it. I, I know I sat around and did a, a lot of nothing on Saturday, and it was phenomenal. So uh, definitely enjoyed it. Uh, definitely, enjoy, I mean, a W would have been so much nicer, but um, I don't think we can complain too much considering what we saw in the first half, and I think things that at least we can feel confident, we'll get into it, but things that we can feel confident this staff can fix as we go forward. No doubt, yeah. I mean, I think it would be a little bit unrealistic for Arkansas fans to have expected a win against the top five team. Um, the end result, the score was somewhat similar to what we expected, but like you like you hinted at, the way that Arkansas got there and the way they looked in the first half was definitely a pleasant surprise and something they can definitely build on for, for this next week against Mississippi State. For sure, and you know, when I look back, is when I thought about how, you know, our kind of predictions and thoughts on the game and you know, how, how we got to the score, I, you know, I thought coming into the week that it would be one of those, you know, tell of, you know, three kind of portions of the game, and it, and it kind of was. I mean, we had a really strong first half, um, really played uh, above what anybody expected in the first half, and then at halftime or in the third quarter, things just kind of, you know, imploded quickly, uh, what, 22 points in three minutes, I guess, and then uh, and then the fourth quarter was just kind of let's get this thing over with, and Arkansas was able to at least kind of hang around there. And and if you if you got the spread on Saturday, if you're the betting kind, then uh, you were you were freaking out. But if you had Arkansas covering, they did. So uh, twenty seven and a half, and the number was twenty eight. Yeah, they they covered the spread. I mean, we said good teams win, great teams cover. Um, like you said, the defense. Honestly, I was shocked at what I was watching, especially with what we've seen the past couple of seasons. It looks like um, the hiring of Barry Odom as defensive coordinator is always already paying dividends. Um, the young secondary looks incredibly promising, including your man Jalen Catalan. He was all over the field. Um, I don't want to be naive and, and say it. none of that was due to some blunders on Georgia's behalf. I think they have some offensive issues, especially at quarterback, that they need to, to work out quickly, but I mean, Arkansas's defense looks light years ahead of where they've been the past two years. Yeah, without a doubt. And they were, you know, the, 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 the really, I guess, promising thing was how well they did against the run. I think we knew that Georgia was going to want to try to run, even though, you know, they're trying to, to bring in that Monken offense. But, you know, they, they definitely were going to want to run. They've got a, a couple of really talented running backs in that backfield. And the defensive line for really the better part of, the well, really the entire first half – you know, they seem to be the more dominant, you know, side of the ball in, in terms of in that matchup. You know, and like you said, Georgia helped. Georgia gave some things to Arkansas throughout the throughout the, the day, but uh, especially early. Um, looked like a different team to start the second half. Uh, you know, some adjustments that were definitely made. I think, if anything, the adjustments you saw for Georgia was just a, an adjustment in focus. Right, right, yeah. I mean, I know we mentioned the first, preview podcast about the linebackers and how skeptical I was of them. But as far as facing the run game, I mean, they were excellent. They held Georgia, I believe, to 2.9 yards per carry. I know Zamir White had at just above 70, but a lot of that was after Arkansas's defense had worn down. Bumper Pool and Grant Morgan combined for 24 tackles. Um, I know, and one of the more disappointing things 
was was Dorian Gerald going down at halftime and not coming back? Because I mean, he had one and a half sacks, one and a half tackles for loss, and one half of play. Um, they were getting a lot of pressure, especially on Dewan Mathis, and, and definitely made him look like a quarterback that hadn't played much before. Yeah, and, and I think I brought this up with Andy, but I think the uh, on on the earlier podcast this week, but. I think the one thing that really impressed me the most is, and we talked about this a little bit last week, you know, Dewan Mathis is not the first, you know, I guess, uh, he's not the first quarterback we faced that didn't have a whole lot of experience, but was a dual threat. And uh, that uh, this was one of the first times that we've had a guy like that, that, you know, that did not come out of the game looking like a Heisman Trophy contender. Um, He, you know, Arkansas really kept him in check. And and even more importantly, I think you know when they made the change and they went to Bennett and and, and you know he had success when they went back to Mathis, even though it was kind of garbage time and late in the game, Arkansas right, right. still did a really good job of keeping him contained. So, I I mean to me that gives me some hope for the future. Obviously, a totally different offense than is what we're going to see this week with with mm-hmm. what Mississippi State's bringing to the town, but or what we're we're going to see down in Starkville. But yeah, I mean. I was I was impressed with that part of the defense, you know, two point nine yards per carry. But again, we've had so many issues with dual threat quarterbacks. So it was nice to see a guy struggle against this Arkansas defense for once. It was definitely a breath of, of fresh air. They they never let him get going. I, I don't think he ever truly felt comfortable. And it started with that huge hit by Bumper Pool. I had on him on the sideline on third down. And you notice, I think it might have even been the next drive. He had a chance to to scramble and run for maybe a first down, but he. He kind of ducked out of bounds quickly instead of getting the first down, and I think it was just in his head. Um, and like you said, Arkansas struggled so much with, with dual-threat quarterbacks. It was nice to see them fly to the ball, to take good angles, and to get pressure on a guy like that. And the overall speed of the defense was something that I really wasn't expecting to see, and that, that was honestly um, an awesome thing to watch play out. For sure. So before we move on to this week's matchup, um, who who was your – give me a guy that you impressed you the most or maybe a position, but uh, a guy that impressed you the most on the offensive and defensive sides of the ball. Right. So as far as offense, I don't I don't really know how you go anywhere besides uh, Traylon Burke. Um, seven catches, 102 yards. His first career touchdown as a Razorback, which is amazing to say. I don't know how that happened. Um, on that 49-yarder from Felipe Franks. Um, the offense – didn't do much after that point, but he was obviously the lone bright spot. He, he was really the only receiver that got very good separation, and he really outdueled uh, George Pickens in a battle where people weren't sure who's the better receiver, but it, I think it's got to be Burks on the offensive end. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to agree with that. I'm, I liked what Felipe did, especially on that play, um, but, yeah, there's really nobody else that you can that you could give that to on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, as good as he was, you know, we, we expected uh, – well, I don't think we really expected Rakeem Boyd to get 30 carries in the game as, as Pittman wanted to do, just, <laughs> right. ga- you know, game – the way the game was going to go. But, I mean, still 11 carries, 21 yards, less than two yards a carry – you know, not a great day. Many issues go into that. That's not a Rakeem Boyd problem, but uh, Traylon Burks was easily the most impressive specimen on the offensive side of the ball, if not the entire field. Yeah, and you mentioned Felipe. I know he didn't have his best game. Uh, I think he's getting a little bit of undue criticism based on the fact that the defense that they were facing. And if you look back when he was at Florida, I mean, when he played Georgia with the Gators in 2017, he threw for 30 yards and a pick. 2018, he only threw for 105. 
and a touchdown and a pick. So, I mean, he threw for more yards in this game than he did in both of those games combined. So he did a pretty good job. He was he showed a weird mix of poise and panic. I think he looked actually more comfortable when he rolled out of the pocket like he did mm-hmm. on that touchdown pass. Um, obviously, he had those two big interceptions. Um, the first one was just a, a, a bad pass. And the second one was actually, I think, on the receivers. They were running a pick play and basically picked each other. So I look for him to really settle down. I know Sam Pittman said that he had to worry a lot about where guys were lined up, where they were going, pre-snap. And that's never good for a quarterback to worry about that instead of being able to read the defense. But I look for him to really bounce back and have a much bigger weekend against Mississippi State. Yeah, there ought to be a lot more room for him to operate and maneuver. And uh, oh my goodness, sorry, I've been I, my TV accidentally turned on when I was trying to set up. And <laughs> it happened to be on the Cardinals Padres game, and I don't know if you're a Cardinals fan, but I feel I'm not very. I, I guess I don't feel bad for Cardinals fans right now, but um, it's they're imploding in the sixth inning right now. They were up six to two I when actually, I turned this on. I actually and, love to hear that. I'm, I'm a Braves <laughs> fan. They got a big win over the Reds today and moved on. So. I'm happy to hear that, actually. Yeah, they so the Padres hit a three-run bomb to make it 6-5, and then Machado, I believe, hit a solo shot to make it 6-6, and now Pham just doubled, and there's still two outs. This has all been with two outs in the six, so the Padres are doing work right now. So, anyway, <laughs> not to get distracted. Um, but, yeah, so – all right, on the defensive side of the ball, who's a guy that you were uh, – the guy you were most impressed with this week? Yeah, I think that there's a few guys that you can choose from on defense. Obviously, I'd probably go with the one I mentioned earlier and the one that you were really excited to see in Jalen Catalan. He just looked like a prototypical SEC safety. He was flying around. He was all over the place. Um, had multiple tackles, had a pass breakup. Probably could have had an interception there in the middle of the field. Um, but overall, I would just say the secondary as a whole. I know Montero Brown looked good. He had, a, had an interception on that. It's close to the goal line. I think, I think the secondary showed promise, and, and that's a group of players that are going to be incredibly important this next game. Yeah, for sure. And here we go, two weeks of doing this, and we're uh, once again agreeing way too much. But uh, Jalen Catalan is my guy. I, if this was a uh, – if we did this podcast via video, I'd have a lot of big hit video uh, uh, clips to show you right now because mm-hmm. he just had a phenomenal game, and it was great to finally see a safety – that is ready to come downhill and, and kind of do not really head hunting since that's not allowed anymore, but uh, he was, yeah, he was looking, he was looking for the hits. And so, yeah, I'm with you there as well. Jalen Catalan definitely uh, was, was uh, probably one of the most impressive guys on that side of the ball. Yeah. He brought the wood for sure. Basically in the mold of old Ken Hamlin, Steve Atwater days. Um, I, I also want to shout out, like I said, Dorian Gerald, um, four tackles, one and a half sacks in just the first half. Um, I'm a little bit worried that Arkansas won't have him this weekend, and I think that's a pretty big blow because he, he brings great pressure off the edge, and that's something they'll need to do in Starkville. Yeah, and, and you know, they also were without Solee last week too, which hurts. So, you know, that's that's all your depth at that end. So that's that's a tough situation, and, and hopefully, you know, hopefully we get better news on Gerald before we get to Saturday. Um, but, yeah, like you said, it doesn't sound good at this point. So yeah, they keep every oh, – go ahead, sorry. No, you're fine. Go ahead. I was just going to say, these days, you know, they keep everything so close to the vest. I mean, who knows? I know Pittman keeps acting like he's holding out hope that he won't play. Some some people say it's more serious than you think. Others say he's fine. I mean, I know he tweeted that he was fine and then deleted it. So, I think it'll be a game-time decision either way. I don't think we're going to find out until kickoff happens. 
Yeah. Well, hopefully for his sake, he's back. I'd hate to see him miss multiple games again after the first game of the year. I mean, yeah, you know, last tough. year was already tough enough and that weird injury. So that's tough. So, all right. So moving on, let's talk a little bit first before we actually move on to this matchup. Let's talk about, I think, a game that you and I talked last week. I don't know that I'm surprised at the outcome so much that LSU lost this game to Mississippi State. I think like everybody else, I'm just surprised at how well oiled that air raid offense for Mike Leach looked in week one. Yeah, I think we both kind of hinted at the fact that the, the, the spread on that game was a little bit too big. I think people were kind of comically overrating LSU to a certain extent just based on prestige and name recognition. But you mentioned 70 scholarship players. They've lost a lot of players. And then they even lost All-American Derek Stingley right before the game um, on scary medical issue. Um, I think it was just kind of a perfect storm of that overrated team losing one of your best players right before the game. And then just, just a tough offense to scheme for and defend. And, and I think – I don't want to say that this win was a fluke or anything like that. I think Mississippi State looked really prepared and, and, and played incredibly well. I think that they're going to be a tough opponent. But I do think that, that Mississippi State fans are kind of feeling themselves a little bit too much. The, that's not the defending national championship team in LSU. That's a completely different team. And I think that, I think that this game against Arkansas will be closer than they think. Um, but – what did you think about KJ Costello? I mean, first game as an SEC quarterback, and he's the first quarterback in SEC history to throw for 600 yards. Yeah, so I didn't see that coming. I mean, I was definitely, you know, you expect a, a Mike Leach offense to put up a lot of a lot of points and, and and to put up a lot of yards through the air. That's what they do. But 623 yards. I mean, sure, it's it's a it's a beaten down, broken down LSU defense. It's it's a shell of whatever the great LSU defenses have been before. I mean, I, I was, you know, I, I was listening, I guess it was to the buzz earlier this week, and they were talking about – I didn't realize that, you know, LSU's – one of their starting corners was a grad transfer from Nichols State who's been on campus for three weeks. So, wow. I mean, so, like, that's just – that's wild. I mean, with Stingley, the Stingley injury, that I think that forced him into action. I mean, what are you going to learn in three weeks? And so, yeah, I, I was highly impressed with Costello, but – to maybe temper that a little bit, especially if we're Razorback fans waiting, and you know, and I think a lot of Hog fans are like, "Oh man, he may throw for 800 this weekend." But <laughs> I mean, I don't, I cannot imagine that you know Mississippi State's going to be able to get their wide receivers in as much space as they seem to be in in that game um, against against LSU. Mississippi State had no issues getting guys behind the you know behind the secondary, getting guys open underneath. And then, you know, when they when LSU did seem to be in the right spot, they couldn't tackle for anything. So that's a yeah, a great point. So Costello, I mean, while he was really impressive, I mean, 36 of 60, uh, 623 on 60 passes is just insane. And and <laughs> out of 60 passes, he only throws two interceptions. So um, a lot of opportunities. I know I've listened to the, you know, some of the you know players and, and what they've had to say here as of late. And, you know, the word has been we're just looking forward to the opportunity to see that many passes and have that many opportunities. <laughs> so, um, and, and maybe make some plays. So, impressed with Costello, but I, I, I still think the jury's out and, and we'll learn obviously a lot more this week because I do think this Arkansas secondary, it, it, this may – don't drive off the road when I say this, but I think this <laughs> Arkansas secondary is better than the LSU secondary Costello just saw. 
Oh, pump the brakes there. <laughs> I, I actually do. I, I think I might agree with you, especially with that, like you said, without Stingley. Um, I'm going to be completely honest. I mean, after seeing Arkansas just kind of get overpowered in the second half and, and lose by 27 to Georgia and then see Leach come in on his, on his horse and carriage, whatever video. <laughs> Their bandwagon. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and, and just kind of throw it all over the field. My immediate reaction was Arkansas is in trouble. I mean, they may get, they may get blown out. But then I actually went back and, and, and watched a lot of that game. And to be honest, LSU looked like one of the least prepared teams I've ever seen. I don't know what Bo Fellini was thinking. I don't know if he had never watched any film on Leach's teams. But, I mean, like you said, I mean, their wide receivers were running wide open. And then when they got a guy to the ball carrier, they couldn't bring him down. I mean, I think, I think LSU had – I mean, I think Mississippi State had over 300 yards after the catch. Yeah. I mean, it was one of the worst, worst defensive schemes and game plans that I've seen. And I don't believe that Barry Odom – We'll let that happen anywhere close to that. I mean, they may still throw for over 300 yards, but I think it'll be more more like half of what they did against Dillon. Right. Well, and it is Bo Pelini we're talking about, so I mean, <laughs> I mean, can't True. say I mean, that's a anyway. That's a that's another pod. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I, so you, you make a good point too. When you think about the defense that LSU strolled out there, they strolled out a man to man defense for basically the entire game, and they did nothing with it. They didn't try to disguise anything. They didn't try to hide anything. They didn't they it was just we're gonna man up with you. And unfortunately, we don't have the men to man up with you. And Mississippi State took advantage of that all night long. Yeah, they didn't try to throw any really odd fronts at them. And it seemed like they were they were stunting a lot on the defensive line and sending typical LSU blitzes. And if if you don't hit home on those blitzes against Mississippi State, they're gonna get the ball out and you're gonna be in trouble. Um, I was I was really surprised they did try to man up on those receivers and didn't just hit them with a zone because they were getting shredded by those by those pick plays and crossing routes everything all game long and it was like they were so stubborn they didn't want to adjust whatsoever and they paid for it. Yeah. So looking at what Arkansas should do and really what you think the game plan, how do you think that Mississippi State plans to attack this Arkansas defense? Well, at least. Leach is pretty stubborn. I mean, I don't, I don't see him varying much from what he does. He likes to stick to that, the air raid system, throw the ball 60 times, throw it down the field. So, I mean, I think we're going to get a heavy dose of that. I think we may see a little bit more of Kylan Hill in the run game. I think he only had less – I think he had less than 10 actual carries. I know they used a lot of that short passing game um, to supplement the running game. So, I, I would expect them to continue with the crossing routes to try to take advantage, especially if Arkansas plays two two or more traditional linebackers, to really take advantage of those guys across the middle and then pass coverage. Um, and uh, the key is that they did a really good job of protecting Costello. I think their their offensive line did a solid job against LSU. So I think that's probably their plan, um, just to throw the ball all over Arkansas. So to me, yeah, and I agree. I think that they're going to come. I don't think you're going to see anything different. I mean, Kylan Hill ran seven times for 34 yards. That's a, I mean, that's a nice average, right, at five yards an average or five yards a carry. So, you know, he, he did well in, in the opportunities he got. Um, and, and, you know, Leach is known to, to try to mix the run in from time to time. I mean, there's some running backs mm-hmm. out there that's had 1,000, you know, receiving 1,000 rushing. Uh, but you're right. And I think anybody who's smart is going to figure out how to get Kylan Hill and, and those guys in space against a guy like Drew Morgan or even Bumper Pool for that matter. I, nothing, not mm-hmm. trying to take anything away from them, but you know, some of those guys right. are a liability in coverage, and we know that. 
and and their ability to try to cover a guy like Kylan Hill is going to be very limited with some of the other playmakers that the Mississippi State has on the field. I don't know the Mississippi State, you know, you talk about a guy like Pickens, you know, maybe I'm wrong. I know, you know, Osiris Mitchell had a really big game um, from the wide receiver core for Mississippi State, but I don't think Mississippi State's got a guy, you know, that that is of that caliber of talent that we have to worry about really taking, you know, taking us to the woodshed, but it's the it's the combination of all the pieces and what scares me the most and what I think that Leach will do is he's going to use Kyle Hill. I mean, what eight? What do you have? Eight catches for one fifty-eight. I mean, <laughs> I, I can't. Incredible. I can't imagine he won't do something similar to that this week. And, and so, at least that's got to be the game plan against an Arkansas defense that is really, really, you know, hurting at linebacker. Right, and and, and I agree. I don't think obviously Osiris Mitchell, like you said, put up big stats. I don't think he's on George Pickens' level. <laughs> I do think they have more weapons on the outside. Um, multiple athletic, long-rangey guys, even like a guy like Tyrell Shavers who transferred in from Alabama. He only had two catches, but for 68 yards and a touchdown, he can beat you. Um, but like you said, it's really just a game of chess with Kylan Hill. I mean, what are you going to do? Are you going to keep those guys in the middle of the field to try to stop, to try to stop the running game and to stop those crossing routes? Well, then he's going to just throw it out to him in the backfield to the side. I know he had a little bit of a sort of a wheel route they had against LSU that he took. I don't even know how long of a play it was. I think it was like 75 yeah, yards 75. and there was nobody there. Yeah. Um, so I, it's going to be tough knowing what to do because he can beat you through the air on the ground, and he's definitely a mismatch problem. So what does Arkansas have to do? I mean, well, I'm just going to ask. I'm going to put you on the spot here since you kind of brought it up. What do we have to do to stop that passing game? Or at least not stop it. We're not going to stop it. What do we got to do to slow it down? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know if anybody will stop it. Um, I, I think it's – it's do the opposite of whatever LSU did last right. weekend. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's, it's a lot of zone. I think Leach better get ready to see a lot of zone defense. Um, I, I would expect Arkansas, I don't think they'll be exclusively in a three-man front, but I think you'll see plenty of that. I think that you'll see probably more hybrid safety-type guys like a Slusher, Joe Fouché, guys like that, Miles Mason, in there um, in, a, in a normal linebacker spot just to give you someone who could either spy Kylan Hill or just, just give you better guys in pass coverage. Um, and, and obviously, you got to get pressure. I mean, you can't let Costello sit back there and just kick you apart. But I think you have to be smart with the pressure that you get. If you can get pressure rushing three, I mean, obviously, that's that's ideal. That would be a, a dream game plan. But not. I think you have to dial up some, some intelligent blitzes. And, and when you do blitz, I think you really have to get there and make him rush his throws. Because he did throw a couple picks when he was forced to throw the ball before he wanted to against LSU. Yeah, I agree. I think that's the key, too, is I think – you know, obviously, we can talk about what you know what the linebackers are going to do and, and how we're going to, you know, if what what Odom's plan is going to be. But I, I do think the pressure piece is a bigger is is a huge piece in this game. To me, you know, if we can get it with three, great. Um, I'd like to see a guy like Julius Coates be a little more uh, intentional about going after and making hits on folks instead of letting running yeah, backs yeah. just kind of run around them. Um, and, and fight with his own his own teammates. Yes. Yes. <laughs> And so I'd love to see, you know, this defensive line, you know, do some work and 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 get some pressure on on Costello and force him into making some quicker decisions. Um, you know, that'll help the secondary out, especially in those zone coverages. So that's what I'd like to see. I think that's the biggest key from my perspective is that is is pressure and to see what this defensive line can do. You know, last week they went up against an offensive line 
um, that you know is is a really good offensive line at Georgia, and and they played well. They were able to hold the line pretty well, and and they they did well with that line of scrimmage game. Uh, this is a week where I think Mississippi State does not have the same type of talent on the front line, and obviously different game plan. But I think this is another week where Arkansas can win that you know that battle in the trenches and and get some pressure to you know force Costello into a little more you know a little tougher avenue to find some guys open this week for sure yeah and just just kind of playing off of that kind of flipping it over to the other side of the ball um, which we can get into um, I know last week this is something that I brought up that I thought was really important and, and that's the Arkansas offense can really help the Arkansas defense and they didn't against Georgia and they're going to need to against against Mississippi State um, the offense was not able to sustain drives whatsoever against the Bulldogs and I, and I get it they have arguably the best defense in the country. You won't be seeing that against Mississippi State. I was looking, just going back real quick on the Georgia game, on what the offense did, just kind of looking at the drive summary. Um, a- after they opened with a punt and scored that 49-yard touchdown, um, up until halftime, the offense went three and out, interception, three and out, a fumble for a safety, three and out, three and out, a punt after six plays, and then it was halftime. So... That was pretty poor, and obviously a lot of that had to do with field position. And then even in the second half, after they drove down and kicked a field goal, um, they went out and had a three and out, a pick six, and then an interception on a trick play. Then they went three and out, three and out, turnover on down. I mean, if you just look at that, I don't know how Arkansas didn't lose by 50. Yeah. Um, the offense did basically nothing to help out the defense. I know they lost time of possession by about 11 minutes. Um, I think Arkansas's defense was on the field for 90-plus plays. Um, I saw where Georgia's defensive line, nobody on their entire defensive line played more than 33 plays. Arkansas doesn't have that sort of depth. So the offense is going to have to be able to sustain drives and get the running game going, or the defense is probably going to have the same effect and get um, exhausted, um, especially with all the pass plays that they're going to have to defend this week against Mississippi State. Yeah, and and that is a big concern. Now, obviously, you know, we talked about it last week. We talked about what we felt would be, you know, what what is a win? You know, what success looked like last week. And one of the big things that we came back to was showing that fight, not quitting, not letting, you know, not letting the snowball effect kind of happen. And 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 while we had a you know that rough three to five minute stretch there in the third quarter, they recovered and they didn't let the game get just completely out of hand. You know, the difference, though, is, you know, Georgia's not the type of program that, especially with the way they play, is not the kind of team that's going to, you know, go out and try to just run the score up on you. And there's some respect factor, I think, from Kirby. Not about respect or anything. Mike Leach doesn't care. And if this team quits (laughs) in the third or fourth quarter, they're likely to put up 70 points in this game if they want to. So you're right. And going back to what we saw a lot of last year, those three and outs, that defense being on the field so much, you know, it it broke the defense so often. And you saw a defense that even after making big plays, even after crazy things happened, you know, they, they, they made big plays. The offense would come out and do absolutely nothing with it. And and so, you know, you're, this week the game plan has to be, I mean, I don't, I don't even want them to verbalize it. I just want to see it. 30 carries for Rakeem Boyd if he can handle it. I, or, you know, mm-hmm. and they've got to be successful carries, obviously. But that's how you control this game. You control the line of scrimmage. 
This is not going to be a, defen- a defensive line like you saw last week. There should be running lanes opening up this week. And this is one of those games where I think Rakeem Boyd has the opportunity to run wild. And if the offense does that, then the defense can have success this week. Yeah, that, that, that's absolutely true. I mean, as far as the the three and outs, that's why I have such a, a love-hate relationship with this up-tempo, hurry-up offense. I mean, I would like to see Bryles maybe not not slow down the tempo, but maybe be more selective. I mean, if you're not having success on first down, I honestly don't really see um, the benefit of going hurry-up and doing the same thing on, on second down. If you're not having success on early downs, I think I might – Maybe not at huddle, but I would take a little bit more time off the play clock. Because like we said, against Georgia, Arkansas was running three plays, running maybe 30 seconds off the clock and kicking the ball back, and the defense was right back on the field. And especially, I mean, we haven't even gotten to how bad special teams was. If you're going to punt and give up a a 30-yard return, I mean, that's even more demoralizing for, for for the defense. So it is a wonder that they didn't give up at all, and especially didn't give up sooner. Um, just just having to, their backs up against the wall constantly. And you can't do that against Leach because, like you said, he doesn't give a crap. I mean, he'll he'll put up a hundred on you if he can. And and I don't I don't I don't see that obviously happening. I think Arkansas has a much more of a will to win and a desire to compete this year. Um, but the offense, I think, should have some success. I mean, Miles Brennan threw for three forty five against the Bulldogs. I don't think he's necessarily that good of a quarterback. Um, they, LSU actually had more first downs than Mississippi State. So I think this is a bounce-back game for Lipe Franks. I think this is a big bounce-back game opportunity for Akeem Boyd, like he said. And Arkansas should be able to sustain more drives and put more points up on the board. So let me ask you this, because this was something that came out of last week, and not to try to bounce around too much, but I was curious of your thoughts and how Bryles called the game. Um, you know, I there was a lot of talk, of course, on talk radio and everything else as we came out of the week of, you know, Bryles ran too much on first down or, you know, they didn't like the way, you know, he set up the play calling. Now when I went back and looked at it, I mean, we ran four out of 24, I think it was 24 first down plays. Um, we had 14, they ran, they ran the ball 14 times and passed the ball 10 times. So, you know, not terrible. I mean, a game you'll lose like you did by, you know, 27 points, um, you know, I think is, you know, maybe running on first down 14 times is a bit too many, um, especially when you're just getting stuffed every time. But did you have any major issues outside of what you just talked about in terms of the, uh, you know, the, the, the tempo that wasn't working, but right. did you have any issues with the way the game was called itself? I, I don't know if I'd say major issues. I think, I think that the jury's still out for me on, on, him totally being a coordinator in the SEC and offensive coordinator. Um, I did see some good things, obviously, especially that, that one touchdown drive, 90 yards. Um, one thing that did kind of alarm me was we did a lot of the, the horizontal passing game, and maybe that's a staple of his offense. And I think some teams, I think that works against some teams. It obviously wasn't working against Georgia. Uh, to me, it was almost like it kind of felt like they went away from what was working for a lot of the game after that one touchdown drive. I mean, you had the, the long um, catch and run from, from Davion Warren across the middle of the field that set up that, that pass, touchdown pass to Traylon Burks. Um, and I, I didn't see a lot of that afterwards. I mean, maybe it was a, a, because they couldn't run the ball, the, the pass closed up, or maybe they were getting pressure or stuff like that. But I'd like to see them really test the secondary down the field, across the middle of the field, I and mean, then take some, some, of Elite, some of Leach's principles and, and – give him a taste of his own medicine with crossing routes and pick plays um, and, and obviously establish the run. But I would, I would see 
I would expect to see more of the vertical passing game than we saw against Georgia. And I think that's where Franks excels too. I think that's his, you know, he's ne- he's definitely not overly fleet of foot. He can move enough to stay out of trouble and, and he can help you at times in that area. But I think in terms of his arm strength and his ability, I think pushing the ball downfield a little more is probably, you know, along the lines of what he should do. And when you look at previous offenses under Bryles, you know, they have wanted to push the ball down the field. So, you know, we saw that, like you said, you saw that on that first drive. You saw that with Burks being able to get around and get open. You've got enough speed. You know, I'm with you. I I think, though, the bigger key this week obviously comes down to that running game and just how, you know, how dynamic and how good that that running game is. Can they open up some holes? Can Rakeem Boyd and Traylon Smith get off this week? And And if they do, then obviously it opens a ton of things up for Felipe Franks, and I think – Maybe the fan base will calm down a little bit on on their their vitriol for for Franks. I, I was just excited about the fact that the dude played basically all four quarters. I mean, you, you know, we saw some KJ, but it, in essence, we didn't see the quarterback carousel that we've seen for the last two years. For sure, yeah. I mean, you never want to press the panic button after you play the top defense in the country when you've had a pandemic and no spring football and you have a totally new coaching staff. I mean, they they've got some kinks they're going to have to work out. Now, I mean, if we come out, if, if Arkansas comes out this weekend and, and Rakeem has double-digit carries for 20 yards and, and there's a couple of interceptions and the passing game is stagnant, I think maybe it's the time to worry a little bit. But I, I think Arkansas is going to have a lot more success. I think they have confidence in their game plan, and I think there are definitely some areas that they can take advantage of against the Bulldogs. So let's talk a little bit on the defensive side, some things that are going to help Arkansas, obviously. Um, some depth coming back after the, some, um, it looks like some COVID issues, obviously. We talked a little bit about that last week, but you know, Arkansas is one of the schools that is not releasing any of that information. But we know that we've got some, some, serious, some serious pieces coming back in, in terms of depth in an area that we're really going to need it this week. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly who all will be back. Um, I know like you mentioned, in the secondary, there were multiple reserve backup guys that, that provide depth that will be coming back, such as Devin Bush. Now, we're not going to be getting on earlier today, Jacquez McClellan announced that he's opting out of the season. Um, so we're not going to be getting him back. Um, but you will get a guy like Devin Bush back. Um, I, you, you might know some other guys in the secondary. You mentioned earlier solely at defensive end, who's going to be huge, especially if they don't have Dorian Gerald. I think Arkansas is already – light on depth for an SEC program. And so get anytime you can bring back even second and third stringers um, and, and provide that depth and, and relief, the more snaps that you have to play is always huge. Yeah, for sure. I was looking in here because I know McClellan was one of the guys that they anticipated coming back, obviously. But like you said, with his right. his choice to opt out, um, there was another. I'm trying to remember. So, of course, you said Devin Bush. I know I'm missing somebody, and right now my brain is 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 on that's how, empty. That's how I'm feeling. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I've completely gone blank. I know most of the guys that were out weren't necessarily impact guys, so Arkansas has done a pretty good job so far, knock on wood, um, of avoiding that. But the guys that they're getting back in the secondary, I think, will definitely help. Yeah, and I think good news is is well, and we don't really really know, and probably won't really really know until Saturday. But from everything that I've been able to at least gather. It doesn't look like there's any major issues outside of potentially potentially Dorian Gerald uh, of guys that we think will miss this week. So, so that definitely that's definitely going to help Arkansas's chances. Uh, and uh, let's see, I'm trying to jump around on my notes over here, make sure we don't miss anything. Um, let's talk about so. 
I guess before we move on a little bit and give our picks, um, can Leach sustain this this success in the SEC? You you brought you you brought that question up when we were talking earlier in the day, mm-hmm. and and I think it's an intriguing question to bring up at this point because everybody's out there. I think I saw a tweet from somebody that was like, you know, here's the, somebody made the one tweet that showed a, you know that showed the score of Arkansas winning by ten. I think it was an LSU. Maybe it was even Mississippi State fan. But, you know, Arkansas losing by 27 and, and Mississippi State winning by 10. And this is what happens when you hire a real head coach is what I think was I, what the I tweet was. <laughs> I mean, obviously, prisoners of the moment. It was amazing to see what they did. But, again, when you really take the whole situation into account, the fact that, you know, LSU was missing is every, basically everything from last year and, and, and trying to break in all kinds of new pieces here, you know, can this – obviously, you're not going to see 623 yards a game, but can Leach's <laughs> offense continue to have this kind of success against SEC defenses? That, that's a tough question, and I know I brought it up, but I honestly don't know the answer to that. I mean, I think – I've heard people say before, if you gave Mike Leach SEC athletes, it would be scary. Um, and, and what we've seen before, it, it was. I mean, I think, I think offensively, yes. I mean, to that level, I don't see it. I think LSU was woefully unprepared. I think, like I said, they're overrated. And also, I mean, there's just the aspect of now you have more film on them. I mean, you have film of a leech team at Mississippi State, not just his prior um, stops. So the, you have some, some film to game plan on. I mean, I think obviously the key is just going to be quarterback. He got incredibly lucky um, landing K.J. Costello from Stanford. And he th- K.J. threw for over 3,500 yards at Stanford. I mean, they're not known for that. So he's a great quarterback got a lot of experience. I don't think that he's going to have that sort of weapon at quarterback every single year. I mean, I think he's going to be able to recruit well and he'll sign good quarterbacks. But uh, to that level, no. I think that he's got a a fairly high ceiling. But, I mean, I don't ever see him fielding much of a a threat on the defensive side. I don't think that offensive scheme is necessarily that attractive to defensive players. Um, So I I would say no. I, I I think they might come down to earth as soon as this weekend, to be honest. I'm going to say no. And only because of Leach's previous track record. So, you know, you think back to the to the many years of Leach and, and the excitement of watching his offense and and the things that he brings, and it's a lot of fun. It's very dynamic. It's it, he's he's a genius. He's I mean a mad scientist, like they like they want to say. I mean the dude knows his stuff, and he's he's you know, very mm-hmm. impressive. But the one thing that's always had you know that's always been an issue with me with Leach is you know. When he he can have a week like this, his teams can have a week like this, where they get 623 yards passing, and then come out the next week and and score 14 points against somebody. I mean, <laughs> you saw it in the, in you know in the Pac-12. You know, there were teams that had no business hanging around with Washington State that yeah. that he got just absolutely smashed by. And more concerning, and this is to me why I question whether or not Leach will be successful long-term in the SEC. And it was a big reason why I didn't think he was a good fit at Arkansas to start. His demeanor, while he's a lot of fun, the, the you know, the sound bites, the, even the stuff he said this week, like the, you know, the, what was it, the Patriots, Chiefs, whatever, Packers, all yeah. were already playing somebody. Already scheduled. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, his sound bites are great, but he is going to be that first person at the podium after the game throwing his players under the bus, and he's not afraid to do it. He'll he'll come out and tell them, you know, you guys, these guys were awful. They weren't focused. And he doesn't, you know, he's just as open when he's talking about that as he is with some of his, you know, craziness. So 
I don't know how well that fits. You know, I don't think it would have fit well at Arkansas at all because I don't think that's what they needed. But I think in the SEC, and I think on a, t- on a team like at Mississippi State, I think you got to be careful. I, I think, and I'm not saying you gotta you got to baby these, these guys, but I think that that will, especially in a time where if they're hitting a little bit of, you know, there, there's it's it's not a great a great time. There's some, you know, they're having issues, and then he comes out and starts kind of throwing guys under the bus. That to me leads to you know other locker room issues and and other issues that may arise. And you know we see how, for lack of a better term, soft some college athletes can be now in terms <laughs> of you can't talk to them like that. You can't do that. I just you know Leach is a lot of fun. He's a blast to watch. But his teams can be very inconsistent. And I wonder if sometimes if that's just not the way that he kind of acts and, and, and treats those guys, you know, when things don't go exactly the way he wants them to because he demands so much perfection. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's fun when he's winning games. Yes. And that's the thing. As long as they're winning, I mean, they're going to be riding high. They're going to love him. But he's one of those guys that were so, so quirky and blunt and just out there that if he, if he gets, goes on a losing streak, I mean, they're going to hate him in those press conferences because he talks about so many random things. I just think he would quickly get on the fans' nerves if they had any sort of, of downfall and lack of success there. So like you said, I mean, I think that, that he has a high ceiling some years because he's going to be able to put an offense out there that can score with anybody. Um, but, but just his personality combined with the fact that I just don't know if they'll ever have a top-notch defense. I mean, I, I think that they can win seven, eight games with him, but I don't, I don't know if it's going to be anything above that. I don't see him honestly having more success there than Dan Mullen did. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Okay, so on to the picks. I'll go first since I made you go first last week. Right, do the honors. Yeah, Arkansas comes in as a 17-point underdog. I like I liked this game. I liked this game before the season started. I liked this matchup. It scares me a little bit after seeing what Leach did last, <laughs> what they did last week. But it also, you know, to the point, this team can be very inconsistent. And you saw this team. It's almost like they've arrived. They've got the bandwagon. They've The fan base is going nuts on social media. This, fan, this Mississippi State fan base could not be any, be any higher than they are right now. And I think this is the perfect opportunity for Arkansas to go into a basically empty Starkville and not have to deal with too much of the cowbell noise other than whatever they're able to pipe in. Yeah. I think Rakeem Boyd has a good day. I think this offensive line, I think a guy like guys like Stromberg and and uh, and, and uh, I'm going blank. Um, left tackle. Oh my goodness. There you go. Thank you for the help. <laughs> I think those guys are going to have big games. Um, you know, I think we're going to see. I think this is a week also where we potentially see uh, Hudson Henry kind of, kind of, kind of come out of his shell and, and really be a big piece of this offense. I like Arkansas this week. I think it's a close game. I think it's an extremely exciting game. I think we're going to have a lot of fun watching it. But I like I Arkansas agree. forty-five to thirty-eight. Wow, you're picking Arkansas to win. I'm gonna take Arkansas. Why not? Might as well. Let's end right. the let's end the SEC streak. SEC streak right now. There's no better time. I mean, this is a game like you said that that before the season I kind of penciled in as, as one of the potential uh, victories for Arkansas. Um, I, I'm feeling a little bit less <laughs> that way 
at the moment, um, like I said, my immediate reaction after they beat LSU was like, oh, this is going to be a blowout. But the more I sat down and thought about it, um, I think it's going to be sort of a shootout. I think that both teams are going to put up plenty of points, plenty of yards. Um, I think Mississippi State is feeling themselves way too much for what they just actually accomplished. Um, I think that this could potentially be a trap game, but I, I still just have trouble picking Arkansas to win until they actually show me that they can. Um, I, I don't think that they quite can do it. Um, I don't think this is the, the win that Sam Pittman gets on the road. Um, but I do think that they put up some points. I think that, that Rakeem Boyd plays much better, has, has much more production, and Felipe Franks has a pretty big game. I just think the passing game will be too much. I think Arkansas covers, but I think they lose by a couple of scores. Um, I'm going to say uh, the Bulldogs went 45 to 31. All right. Fair enough. I can live with that. I'm probably going to catch all kinds of hell later for, uh, for taking the I hope you're hogs, right. I really hope you're right. I mean, I'll, I'll be ecstatic if that's the case. I just, I think this is, I, I just like this week. I like, I think Arkansas has an opportunity. And, and on top of that, I've had a rough week. And so I'm ready for something awesome to happen. So how about I raise your back? I think this week? I think you're due. That would yeah. be a great way to cap off the week. That's well, for sure. Yes. All right. Rapid fire. Let's <laughs> knock these last pick. Let's knock some picks out for this week for the SEC. Um, let's see. I want to read them off in a good order. So we're going to leave the best for last, which is just happens to be probably one of the best games in the country. Um, so let's go. Let's just start South Carolina at Florida. Okay. South Carolina, Florida. I think Florida is like a 17 and a half point favorite. Um, South Carolina was a little bit better than I expected against Tennessee. Um, I know Florida played Ole Miss and their offense looked incredible. Their defense, not so much. They gave up 35 points and, I think over 300 passing yards to Matt Corral, which is not super impressive. But like I said last week, the Pitts, um, Kyle Pitts, I mean, excuse me, Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts are basically unstoppable at this point. I think they'll continue to be that way. And I think Florida wins and covers by, by about three scores. So, yeah, I'm not going to disagree with you on this one. 17 and a half points, you're right. The money line is all kinds of crazy. You're not making any money on Florida this week at all. Um, and, and so – yeah, I don't think this game is particularly close. I think Colin Hill and Bobo kind of found some some luck last week with a Tennessee team that's still really trying yeah. to find their way around. This week, for as bad as Florida's defense looked last week, I think they're going to, you know, I, I think they'll sure, sure some things up. Uh, and I like Florida big in this game. I think they cover this pretty easily. Next game, let's go Missouri at that team we were just talking about, Tennessee. <laughs> Yeah, this one's similar to that South Carolina-Tennessee game. It, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I don't have a lot of respect for the middle to bottom of the SEC East. Those teams are just boring to me. I think this is two teams that I don't really care much for. Um, Tennessee obviously squeaked out that victory because South Carolina can't can't get out of the way of a punt. Uh, Missouri, I know some people will say they hung around and made it respectable against Alabama. Uh, most of their damage was at the end of the game when Alabama was likely bored, which – I'm always in with Missouri, so I wouldn't blame them. I think Tennessee's the better team. Um, I think they win. I think Missouri keeps it closer than the spread, but I still think they Tennessee wins by 7 to 10 points. Yeah, so 12-point spread in this one. 48-and-a-half is the over-under. I'm torn, man. I, I'm with you. I don't think that – It's a tough one. It is, and, I, and I'm with you. I don't think that – you know they nothing Missouri did against Alabama was impressive. Sure, it was a 38-19 to 19 final, but it was, what, 35-3, to 3, I think, at one point in that game. I mean, 
They just kind of they found a few things there late. Um, and this is a different Alabama team too, folks. Like this is the Alabama yeah. you remember from from earlier in the 2010 range when they were you know pounding the ball. They were really going. You know they they had the game manager type quarterback. You know they don't have a Tua. They don't have a, a guy like that who's going to chuck the ball all over the field this year. So. You know, that's just the way that, you know, Alabama's going to win. They're going to get up big and they're going to cruise. So, um, you know, I, I can't – I just – I'm looking at my screen right now and every time I scroll up, Drinkowitz is in front of me and I just can't pick Missouri anytime I see him. So, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm actually – Did you see – I hate to interrupt you, but did you see his, his post-game press conference after that game with Alabama? No, I haven't. I that think that's what That was some of the is. most condescending stuff I've ever seen. I mean, I get that sometimes the media asks, dumb questions but he was just so condescending about everything every single answer and I feel like he's coming to the league running his mouth and he just hasn't earned the right to be that way at all so like you said I, I'm, I'm gonna have trouble ever picking them to win yeah and I hope they go 0-10 anyway so I, I mean I don't <laughs> yeah. care I'm gonna pick against them so but I like Tennessee and I think Tennessee wins by two scores I you know Tennessee is is a mystery because they just haven't yeah. really played anybody but there's nothing impressive about Missouri. Like you said, they're just boring. They're small. They don't. Their their coach is a dweeb. I mean, it's there's nothing great about them. So I'm going Tennessee on that one. All right, Ole Miss at Kentucky, and that's actually an intriguing game. Yeah, it really is. Um, I know that that Kentucky was my upset special last week to beat Auburn. It should have happened. Um, they they couldn't quite do it. I know they got screwed out of a touchdown, which still kind of irks me. Um, they they just didn't have quite enough offense. I wasn't very impressed with with the offense that they ran out there. They're actually involved in my upset special pick again this week because I think Ole Miss is going to beat them. I think that um, I was honestly pretty impressed with Ole Miss as far as the offensive side of the ball um, with Corral and, and Plumlee. Um, I think Lane, the Lane train has some tricks up his sleeve. I think he will again this week. Kentucky has a really good offensive line, defensive line, and defense. Um, but I just don't know if they have the firepower to hang. I think that Ole Miss comes in. And surprises them, and I think everybody in Lexington's already looking forward to basketball. <laughs> I think this is that swag game for for Lane Kiffin. I think he this is that game where I think you're going to see him, and I don't want to see it, but it's to me. I think this is that week where you see him throwing the hands up before the play even happens to right. call touchdowns. I, for as good as Kentucky's defense can be, Ole Miss did some really good things last week in the passing game that again didn't really think we'd see this early on in the season. So, um, no. yeah, I, I think that – I think I actually think Ole Miss is, is pretty balanced in this game, and I think they handle business. Spread six, but the over and under, over under 61-and-a-half. If this game gets to 61-and-a-half, then with then I think Kentucky got blown out. Um, right. I, I think if this game gets that many points, there's no way this game stays within six and 62 points. Um, I like Ole Miss. I think I like Ole Miss by – 10 to 14 points, somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah, I could see it. Uh, let's see. Next up, LSU at Vanderbilt. Man, this is <laughs> um, an interesting game. Um, I mean, I honestly, I don't know. Obviously, I'm not going to pick LSU to lose to Vanderbilt, but I really don't know what to think about LSU. Um, they, they look pretty unprepared against Mississippi State. I think they'll, they'll lift their wounds a little bit, come back stronger. They should get Stingley back. Um, which is a big boost to the defense. Miles Brennan was decent against Mississippi State. I mean, he threw for quite a few yards. Um, Vanderbilt hung with A&M, and I think that's honestly more of a product of the fact that, like I said, A&M, they're overrated wrong. every single I year. <laughs> I tried to tell you on that one. I just don't see it. So I, I don't. I think Vandy has a stingy defense. I don't think they have much offense. But 
I think LSU wins. I think Vandy finds a way to cover again, though. I think the Tigers win by 17. Yeah, I think the 21 number is a little high in this game because I think Vanderbilt will do enough defensively to slow LSU down. But I'm not picking against LSU in this game. I don't – obviously, Vanderbilt for – you. Know, Derek Mason may earn him a lifetime contract just because – of the love that LSU gets. And if they were able to beat LSU this week, uh, who knows what Vanderbilt would do for him. But, yeah, I am uh, – no fans, no nothing, no help. I like LSU. I think I even like LSU to cover this week. I th- yeah, I mean, I that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. They should bounce back. I mean, you look at this Vanderbilt. I was looking at some of the numbers here for Vanderbilt. And, uh, you know, they gave up almost 200 yards rushing last week. And I think, you know, for what Miles Brennan is, I think that they're probably – I think they'll probably try to incorporate the run game a little more this week. I think LSU will be better prepared this week. Um, but, again, better be. who knows? You know, I not to try to get off tangent and off on another topic real quick, but you think about the Ed Orgeron's, you know, situation and, and you look at his previous stops and, you know, coaching was always kind of a question mark. And he, yeah. you know, he was obviously he's a great recruiter, but could he do anything with it once he got him there? And and then, you know, last year, lightning in a bottle with that rock star staff that he had that's all gone now. And so suddenly you're having to figure out everything brand new for a guy that's been a questionable head coach in the past. I wouldn't be surprised one bit with all the craziness that Vanderbilt wins this game, but I still think LSU's got enough firepower to, to handle it. Yeah, I think a lot of people have kind of just kind of brushed that to the side and overlooked it in the offseason. Everything that LSU's having to overcome and all the players and coaches, like you said, that they lost. I mean, that didn't look like any semblance of the team that they had last year. And who knows how the, how they're taking that loss if they bounce back and, and come together. I mean, they may just fall apart. Like you said, I'm not I'm not a huge Coach O believer. I like the guy, but he's not saving. He's not able to just rebuild and reload immediately every single year. So I think that they're going to struggle in a lot of games this year. Don't think they lose to Vandy, but if they did, it wouldn't be the most surprising outcome I've ever seen. Yeah. So top 15 matchup here that makes absolutely no sense, at least on one half of it. Number 13, <laughs> Texas A&M. Number, how are they? Anyway. And number two, Alabama at 230 on CBS. Yeah, I mean, a and M's going to have to do a lot to, to make me believe that they're a top 15 team. Um, I said in their first game, I think that they're – perennially overrated um i think mon thinks that he's much better than what he is and a lot of other people think he's much better than he is they struggled with vanderbilt they're really going to struggle with alabama i think i mean i think alabama didn't do as much against missouri as i expected um who knows if that was a product of of, of knowing that they didn't need to do that much to win a game like that um, but I think that they win this game. I think that they cover, and I think that A&M just kind of stays around the middle of the SEC West. Yeah, 17 and a half point spread on this one. I like Bama. Um, you know, I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at the I'm looking at Saban here as he's given his press conference, and he's got his normal you know, ugly scowl going. So I think the I think Bama walks into this game with a little different fire. Uh, I think they want to prove some things in a top 15 matchup. I don't even think that I think this is a, a twenty twenty four point game. I think that Alabama doesn't have any issues this week at all. I'm off the A and M bandwagon at this point until they prove something. <laughs> already, to me. already jumping ship. I'm done. Well, I, I mean, Vandy should have beat them, and Alabama's gonna do serious damage this week. <laughs> so, all right, what should be our favorite game to watch all week? A top ten matchup outside of the Arkansas game, of course, but 
Number seven, Auburn at number four, Georgia, that happens to start at the exact same time that Arkansas kicks off. No, fantastic, which is kind of how the LSU-Mississippi State game was, too, yeah. last week, so that kind of sucks. But um, this one is, is I don't know, it's kind of tough for me because after playing Georgia, obviously I think that their defense is going to give Auburn fits. I don't think that the Chad Moore special was that special um, against Kentucky. I mean, you saw he got booed by the fans in the first drive because he pooch punted inside Kentucky territory, um, and that pooch punt was basically the biggest weapon that they had all game long outside of Seth Williams just saving his job yeah. over and over that game. Um, but anyway, it's tough for me because Georgia still has that glaring weakness on at quarterback, and I don't know. I mean, JT Daniels is cleared. Is he going to start? Is he going to play? The rumor is they may start Mathis, which really doesn't make sense to me. Um, I just think Auburn has a really good defense. If Georgia can, can figure out that quarterback position, I think that they can win this game pretty handily. I think that they're a better team than Auburn. Um, I think that Chad's going to really struggle and, and have some nightmares with that Georgia defense. Now, if he comes out and just they move the ball all over him, we'll never hear the end of it, like I said last week, and it's going to be a disaster. So I'm picking that that's not going to happen. Um, I think Georgia wins, and I think Georgia covers. Yeah, I, so six-and-a-half-point spread in this one. The over-under is only 44-and-a-half, so obviously they both of these defenses – um, or really talented defenses. The question, like you said, is obviously going to come from the quarterback spot. You look at last week, Nick's throws for 233 yards. He was also the leading rusher with 34 yards. You know, I, I'm not picking this Auburn offense ever until, <laughs> well, until I have to. Um, yeah. and hopefully that's never. I don't – I mean, he, the struggles that Auburn had last week, and again, you know, that Kentucky defense is good. They're um, solid. But – Not Georgia good. No, and, and, you know, I didn't see anything special or spectacular out of a guy like Bo Nix. And even the play that the, the, the announcers just gushed all over on the touchdown that he threw that was really an overthrown ball. and, and it up. Yeah, they, they got lucky that he had, a, you know, a big receiver there in Williams to make that catch. So – I don't like this Auburn I, – I, well, I've never really liked Auburn, but I don't like this Auburn <laughs> offense right now. I don't like what they look like. I, I don't – I think that Malzahn should have just held on to the play calling and, and just hired some some suit over there to, to take up the OC position at this point. So, I like Georgia in this one. I do think it's a close game, though. I think that Georgia's yeah. still trying to figure some things out offensively. The quarterback situation is so odd. And, and you know, previous years – Sure, I think we could probably say, okay, Georgia can win this game by 14 or 17 without a dynamic quarterback because they're going to run the ball so well. But mm-hmm. Arkansas you know, proved some things last week, and, and even if it was Georgia you know, not being 100% there for the game, Arkansas still did some things against their offensive line and slowed their running game down to you know less than three yards a carry. So, And this Auburn defense is you know miles ahead of what Arkansas's defense is, is putting on the field right now. So, yeah. Right. I, I like I like Georgia, but I think this game this could be that you know three four point type game when it's over. But I do like Georgia to win it. Yeah, I mean I, I think you know either way. I don't I don't obviously don't want Auburn Auburn to win, but I think that they have a good shot, especially if if Georgia struggles on offense. I mean I think the things that they showed in the first half should really kind of worry Georgia fans, especially going along trying to compete for the top of the SEC East. I mean if. If they can get JT Daniels in there and he can throw the ball around, I think that they can be a really solid all-around team. But if, until they figure out that quarterback position, they're going to definitely have some struggles and, and, and lean on that defense to really bring them home. Yeah, for sure. 
All right, man. Well, we got through another one. I want to give a special thanks to Lost Pizza Company in Benton for sponsoring this week's podcast, along with Lens Marketing and Design. Thanks to those guys. Make sure you look those guys up on Facebook, Lens Marketing Design, Lens Marketing and Design, and uh, make sure you go see the guys over at Lost Pizza Company this weekend in uh, in Benton and catch the Razorback game. Uh, the guy they've got all the TVs in the world, and uh, they'll have the game on every single one of them. So get over to Lost Pizza. And uh, enjoy the game tonight or this weekend. And uh, thanks for joining us. And Tyler, I appreciate you joining me again tonight, bud. And it's been a been a crazy day, and uh, I'm just glad we were able to get this thing popped out tonight. For sure, it's obviously good to have football, like we said, and, and hopefully with the next podcast that we do. Arkansas is on an SEC winning streak. Yes, let's get rid of this losing streak and let's rock forward. So, until next week, woo pig. <laughs>